0: Yeah, man, I tell you what that dang old internet man you just go on there, point and click, get yeah, in there, talk about www. Call me, you got that? For some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. Well, for my money, he's got all the facial characteristics of a criminal. Now, here's your host, that gravy-soppin', crappie-floppin', stump-jumpin', bobble-thumpin', mater growing mater-grown son-of-a-gun, the Backwoods Baptist himself, Pastor Harold Smith. Man, that is good. Good old sweet tea. You can't beat tea, and you can't beat it, especially when it's hot in the summer like this. We're going to try to make a podcast again. Yeah, I know I'm a week late uploading the podcast. I try to do this bi-weekly. It's been three weeks, not two weeks. <clears throat> I've had a busy spell at church of things that just kind of came up unexpectedly. We had a couple air conditioners go out completely out, not just like needed freon or a new capacitor. I mean, shot need to be replaced. I ended up getting several quotes that were just crazy out of line high. Anyways, it took up two or three days of my time back and forth and on the phone. And so then I record the podcast. I'm a little bit late, I'm a couple of days late, record a complete podcast and realize that my microphone is not plugged in. I can hear it in my headset, but it's not going to the computer. And so you just got a talking head with no sound, and unless you're extremely skilled. At Reading Lips, the podcast would have been no use to you. So anyways, we're going to try it again. And yes, I'm not the most technically savvy. That's why this is the Backwoods Baptist podcast. People in the backwoods are not known for their uh, uh, their technical genius, let me say. And you too might be a Backwoods Baptist. If one of the things talked about at church Sunday was dove season, because here in Arkansas, Uh, Shotguns ring all throughout the South on the opening day of dove season, which is usually the first Saturday in September. And yes, I went dove hunting for the first time in a long time. Had a great time. Hung out with some good guys. It was a great time. Um, But today I want to get on this topic because this topic is going to take a while. I can tell you that much. Uh, I want to talk about church membership. And I'm I'm currently doing a series at the First Baptist Church of Roland, Oklahoma, on church membership. Uh, we're talking about the doctrine of church, and church membership will be one of the things we cover in that study. But I'm thoroughly convinced that Christians today are ignorant on the subject of what theologians call ecclesiology, what we out in the country would call what a church actually is. How does a church function? What is it that a church does? Why is it important? And I think one of the biggest misunderstandings when it comes to church is membership. I think that this has been kicked out the door for years. I think that uh, when Southern Baptist did a million more in 54, they quit teaching on church membership and just focused on go get them and train to get more. And they just brought in tons and tons of people. They educated no one. So they excelled in evangelism. They failed in education. And the thing they failed to teach people was not how to share the gospel, not how to do outreach, not how to do evangelism, not how to work, 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 and go get more people. They failed to teach them how the church operates and what the church is for and why it's important. And we saw the failure of this over the years. We've seen it by church roles that, I mean, churches in my area will have 1500 members and have barely a hundred people in attendance, or they'll have 30 in attendance and over 300 on the rolls. And all too often, 10% of your church membership and attendance is common. And that tells me that 90% of those people don't understand what church membership is. Then you mix in some COVID scares and some government shutdowns and pastors who ought to know better. They're teaching the church. They ought to know better. They say, don't worry, church. We can do church at home. We can do church on Facebook. You can't do church at home and you can't do church in Facebook. And no, I know it's comfortable to get in your underwear and flop down on the couch and turn the TV on and call that church. But that's not what church is. You can listen to a sermon online. I've got about 1200. I think I've got about 1200 or more old sermons online. You can listen to a sermon, but one thing you cannot do is have a church service at home. Not long-term look. Your health may require you to stay home for a while. Uh, You may be overseas in the military serving. You can't go to your home church. But if you're within close proximity of your church and you're not going, you don't understand what church is. And so what I want to focus on this morning or evening or midday or late at night, whenever it is you listen to this, this backwoods cringy podcast, I want to talk about church membership. And I've got people that will actually tell me, well, I don't think it's in the Bible. I know churches that don't even have membership anymore. Wow, we just don't even keep track of that. Whoever shows up as a member. Well, no, no, that's not how this works. And the Bible says so. And so I want to give you 12 things that the church provides, 12 things that the church, the, the local church has that you can't get unless you're a part of it. And by a part of it, I don't mean you just show up and attend. I mean, you actually are a committed member of the church. So let's start with number one, authority. The local church has power. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is very clear. They have the authority. They have the power to determine who's right and wrong in a situation. You see this in 1 Corinthians 5. You see it in 1 Corinthians 6, Matthew 18. Jesus says they have the authority to rule uh, whether a member of the church is is in good standing or not. And the question then becomes, who's a member? If, if, you've got to, in order to be able to put someone out of the church, they have to first be in the church. And so the local church has has power. Authority is the first thing. Administration. The local church has structure. This is something that people kind of take for granted. Paul, in writing to the, the Philippians, says to the, all the saints at Philippi, elders and deacons or pastors and deacons. And what, what bishops I think is actually the word he uses in the King James. He's talking about the pastors are there and the deacons are there. And then in Acts chapter 20, you know, he's talking to the Ephesian elders and he's saying to feed the flock of God, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. So the spirit of God has taken a group of people and put them over the church to some degree. Now, if God does this, if he puts people in administration, pastors as leaders, deacons as servants, and he officially sanctions them, he did that for a reason. He didn't do that just in case you got bored and didn't have anything else to do on Sunday morning. He did that for your betterment. So there's authority, there's administration, there's accountability. You are accountable to the leadership of the church. And the leadership of the church is accountable to the membership. This accountability is an overlapping thing. The the, the pastor is to oversee the work of the church, and the church is to oversee the pastor. In that, if the pastor gets out of line, it's the church's responsibility to move him. It's the church that ordains him. It's the church that puts him into office. And if he gets out of line, it's the church that takes him out because the church has that authority. They have the authority to remove a member, even if that member's an out-of-line elder. Well, how do you know it has this kind of uh, uh, accountability to leadership and the leadership to the church? I get that from Hebrews 13. Remember them which have the rule over you. This is verse 7, who have spoken unto you the word of God. This is clearly the pastor whose faith follow, considering the end of their con- uh, their conversation, Verse 17 of Hebrews 13 is even more explicit. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. My goodness, this is accountability. You're accountable to them, and here's why. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The pastor is responsible to God, to Jesus Christ, the head of the church for the way he leads the church, and he's gonna give an account for that. And then you're going to be judged on how you were accountable to the pastor. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse two says the same thing. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, uh, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. These are the responsibilities of a pastor, the way that he must lead the congregation, This accountability from God to the, to the pastor, to the church, all of this can only be done in the membership. Who do I give an account for? Do I give an account for somebody that visits twice, three times, four times, eight times comes for a year straight. No, you've got to have a membership in order for the pastor to know who he's responsible for in order for the church to know who they can and can't remove from their midst. Uh, It just makes sense. It's all throughout the New Testament. Admittance, number four, the local church has standards. Every Baptist church I've been a part of, whether I've been a member there or whether I've been the pastor there, all of them required you to give a profession of faith. We can't ensure who's actually saved and who's not. Many people will profess Christ and really just be false converts. That's going to happen. We don't have some kind of special church goggles that we can look and go, oh, this is genuine. So we have you make a profession of faith. And when you profess faith in Christ, then we, upon your profession, baptize you. And we require you to be a member of the church. You have to make a profession of faith and be baptized the right way, at the right time, for the right reason. And if you meet the criteria of a proper baptism and a, a credible profession of faith, we will allow you to be a member of the church. And we do this because the Bible tells us to to mark those which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we've learned and avoid them. That's Romans chapter 16, verse 17. And so there's this this admittance, these standards that you have to keep up with, there's the moral commitment in a church found in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. There's membership because there's admittance, and people who don't live up to the standards don't have a part in the church. Those that do profess faith in Christ are obedient to the Lord in baptism, these are eligible to be members and can be voted in by the authority of the church and be under the administration of elders and deacons and be accountable to the leadership in the church itself. This is admittance. Number five, availability. The local church is near. You cannot be a member of some mystical church in which you have no adherence, no attendance to. You've got to be able to go to this church. I love the old preacher, Vance Havner. Probably my favorite preacher of all time is Vance Havner. And he used to tell the story about a preacher out in the mountains of North Carolina when he was young. And this fella came up to the pastor and he said, hey, I want to sing in the choir. And the pastor said, well, you're not a member of our church. And he said, I'm a member of the invisible church. And the pastor said, why don't you go sing in the invisible choir? And that's true. That's a very simple country way of saying there has to be a physical church in order for you to physically be a part of, and the church is local. It's available. It's near you. So with that being said, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, Paul says, The churches of Asia salute you. Priscilla and Aquila salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So when we think about Priscilla and Aquila, that's one individual church meeting in their home. The church is plural of Asia. You shouldn't be in Corinth and say you're a member of a church in Asia unless you're there on missionary business or on travel. If you're living in Corinth, you ought to join the church at Corinth. If you're living in Asia, you ought to join one of those churches in Asia. The point is... The church is available. It's near you, and you should partake and participate in it. Number six, assembly. The local church meets regularly. The local church throughout the New Testament met on a regular basis. Now, how they met and where they met varied from church to church. Obviously, we just saw Priscilla and Aquila had a church meeting in their home. Surely that wasn't the entire church at Corinth because There were all sorts of things going on there, and that many people couldn't fit in Priscilla and Aquila's house. And they were tent makers like Paul, so they they weren't this great big wealthy group of, you know, but they didn't have some kind of uh, great big mansion that everybody met in. But they assembled, and they assembled regularly. I think about Paul preaching at Ephesus late into the night in an upper room, and Eutychus falls out the window asleep, dozes off in church, dies. Paul brings him back uh, to life. When we, we think about this this assembly, this is the reason why we ought to be going to church. We ought to be assembled there. And, of course, we got that famous passage in Hebrews 10, 24, where it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We are instructed not to forsake or completely neglect the assembly of the church. I would say you could miss church on vacation. I, I don't think it's a sin to miss a Lord's Day worship with your church. I don't. I think sometimes you're going to have uh, secular um, employment is going to interfere with that. I, I don't think a fireman is sinning when he has to work on a Sunday anymore than I think a police officer is sinning when he has to work his, his uh, beat on, on a Sunday. There are are jobs that require you to work on the Lord's day, and we need those people to work on the Lord's day because we need those services every day. I think the Old Testament principle is what Christ talked about in the New Testament, whereas if your ox falls in a ditch, which one of you wouldn't go get him out on the Sabbath? And and this is is understood. There are things that arise that have to be done. There are jobs that need to be done. If my yard was on fire on a Sunday, I, I would go put it out. And then I would try to make it to church, but I wouldn't spend every Sunday not going to church. I would assemble and I would meet regularly because that's what the church does. So we've seen authority, administration, accountability, admittance, availability, and assembly. The six of these, I've got multiple verses proven each one. I just don't have time to give it all to you. But those six things alone should be enough to make you say, okay, I'm going to have to be a member of a church. If I'm a believer and I profess faith in Christ, clearly the New Testament is implying that it doesn't explicitly say, and ye shall be members of the church, but it's implying that that has to happen. But I've got six more. I've got 12 of these. So we've seen six. Let's look at number seven appointments. The local church selects pastors, deacons, And missionaries. This is the work of the church. You see in Acts, I believe it's chapter 16, where they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and send them out. The Holy Spirit testifies to the church. I believe it about Acts chapter 12 to send out Paul and Silas for the work that they've been, or Paul and Barnabas in chapter 12, Paul and Silas and in chapter 16. The point I'm trying to make here is it's the church that sends out missionaries. It's the church that appoints deacons. It's the church that selects the elders or pastors of the church. And these appointments are what are given to the church to do. This is the church's responsibility and role. If you want to have a hand in advancing the gospel, you want to have a hand in in encouraging and equipping uh, men to teach and serve the church, you've got to be a part of the church. If you're not a part of the church, you have no part in selecting who will preach, who will serve, and who will carry the message of the gospel around the world. You're just out of the game. Advancement, keeping in line with appointing missionaries. The local church is missional. Number eight, the church has the responsibility of advancing the gospel. Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 gives instruction to the church at Corinth about how to collect Of the saints. He says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So Paul's given instruction on missions to the church of Galate, churches, plural, in Galatia, the church at Corinth. He didn't give this instruction to the Shriners. He didn't give this instruction to the United Way or the March at Dimes. He gave this instruction to the local body of believers. He didn't give it to the church invisible, he gave it to the church local. Because that's how, that's how the gospel is advanced. That's how missions are to be done. And if you think you've got a better program for sending out missionaries than the institution that Jesus Christ built, I pity your ignorance, and I think you're boastful. I think you're proud and wrong. I think if you think a mission board of smart guys in an office somewhere can do a better job of sending out Christians to do the Lord's work, and then the Lord's own institution, the church, Well, I think history bears that out. Missions are best done through the church. It's the church's responsibility. It's the church that has the instruction of advancing the gospel. It's the church that does it. Number nine, academy. The local church makes disciples. The local church was instructed to do that. The very first church that was gathered together in Jerusalem after the resurrection of the Lord, Jesus gave them instruction. And Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. When we look at what we call the Great Commission, it is very evident it is the church's responsibility to educate, disciple, and instruct believers. We have things like Sunday school. We have people in the church that are gifted from God for this purpose. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. This, If, if no other verse can convict you of your need to be in the church, this verse should. And he, that's Christ, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the church. Missions and the church are all done through apostles, past. They've been all been died and gone to heaven. Prophets no longer sent out in this day and some evangelists, I would equate that to missionaries or exhorters that go around encouraging the church, pastors and teachers. These are the same men that the writer of Hebrews says the church is to submit to, who give an account for. This is the same group of people that Paul's talking to in Acts chapter 20, that he said the Holy Ghost made them overseers. Christ said, I'm giving them to the church. For you to say, I don't need to be a member of that church, I don't need to commit myself to the care of these gifts from Christ to us, makes it sinful, friend. You're sinning if you claim to be a Christian, and you can rightly stay out of a church that Christ built for your education, and your environment for you to neglect that and say, no, I don't need it, puts you at odds with the Savior, and you've missed the mark. Number 10, anticipation. There's only one institution that's going to be here when Christ returns. I don't know how many other institutions will rise and fall, but Jesus Christ made this promise. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is on the earth. It's always been on the earth, and it will be on the earth until the Lord returns to the earth. Why in the world would a Christian want to be somewhere other than the institution that Christ built to remain on the earth until he comes back? Number 11, attacked. The church is attacked from wolves within, and the wicked without, on the outside. Uh, Vance Havner, who I referenced earlier, said the church never suffered so much from wolves on the outside as it, or woodpeckers on the outside, as it did from termites on the inside. When we think about the church, this institution, the church, has been attacked by Satan since its inception. If you claim to be one of Christ's people, saved by his grace, and his atoning work on the cross, and all of his people are under attack, and you're derelict of duty, hiding somewhere, running around, enjoying your life, living your best life now, leaving your brothers and sisters in Christ, who are under attack by the devil, and by uh, wicked people on the inside, wicked people on the outside, and you're over here doing your own thing and you're not in the fray, you're not in the fight. I don't think you're on our team. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think that you're part of this army if you don't show up when the shooting starts and the shooting's happening in the local church and you're not there. It's because you don't have a part in this fight. I hate to get all preachy on the podcast, but I can't help it. I've given you 11 things that the local church has that you can't get anywhere else. Authority, administration, accountability, admittance, availability, assembly, appointments, advancement, academy, anticipation, and attacked. But I've got 12, the another's, the one another's more specifically. The local church is the only place that you can fulfill all of the one another passages in the New Testament. We already looked at one of them. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. How are you considering one another when you don't gather with one another? And then he goes on to say in verse 25, uh, exhorting one another how do you exhort someone you're no longer near good luck over there best of luck to you y'all be good i'll be gone that's not exhorting one another you've got to get in there and get dirty you've got to be with them if you want to see them pull out you've got to get down in there in the mud with them and help them pull out there are one another passage let me give you another example galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How are you bearing burdens with people you don't even know? If you're so spiritual, how are you restoring those who are overtaken in a fault? How do you even know who's overtaken in a fault? How can you do Galatians 1 6, 1 and 2? How can you do that and not be a regular, committed member of a local church? And the, the, the flat-out honest answer is you can't, friend. It's, it's, it's an impossibility. For you to to do what we're commanded to do in fulfilling the law of Christ, it's an impossibility for you to do that and not be a part of a church and stay and neglect the assembly, forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And by the way, these one another passages, there's 70 plus verses in the New Testament that command us to do these things to one another. If you categorized them, one third of them are on unity. Well, my stars, how can you be united with people you don't unite with? Well, <laughs> but I don't even think Joe Biden could could give us a line on how that would work. You can't be united if you're not in you, uni- You can't if you don't show up. A third of them deal with love, so we're talking two thirds of the seventy plus Bible verses that command us to do things. Two thirds of them say you have to be united and love them. How can you love people that you live nearby because the local church is near? They assemble regularly. How can you say you love them? You don't go see them. If you live next door to your mom and you never went to your mom's house, you never saw your mother, you never spent time with your mother, and you showed up when you died and said, oh, how I love mother. I'd say, you liar. You're a liar. You didn't love her. You never spent any time with her. And so it is with the church. And I'm going to be honest with you, if I get the privilege of preaching your funeral and you said I love the church and you never went to the church, I'm not going to get up and lie for you. I'm not going to do it. And shame on the preacher that does. You say, well, brother, that's awful harsh. That's awful cold. I'm being honest with you because I want you to be. Biblical, I want you to do what the Bible instructs us to do. I want you to go get yourself in a local church if you claim to be a Christian. That's the whole purpose of this. And if you're a pastor, I want to stir you up to tell your people and be honest with them. Somebody put a quote of mine on Facebook. Oh, it was Troy, the guy that does our introduction. He put a quote on Facebook of mine that said, um, I remember saying this a, a while back, it said, sugar coating makes great candy, but it won't make converts. Quit, quit handling these people with, with gloves on like you're scared you're going to hurt them. You can't fulfill the one another passages unless you show up. You see, you got a third of the one another's that say be in unity with, with each other. You got a third of them that say love one another. The other third talk about greeting one another. How do you do that? Unless you show up. It even says greet them with a holy kiss. you're not doing that online. You can't get that through Facebook. Exhort one another. You can't do that from a distance. Bear with one another. Speak to one another. You got to get yourself in church if you claim to be a Christian. There is absolutely no excuse for you to stay home from church. No excuse. Listen, I preached this message. You might be able to find it online. I think I preached it at Lee Creek. If you went to Lee Creek Baptist online and looked up Harold Smith, you'd probably scroll back a month or two, you'd find, uh, I think I titled it A Christian Without a Commitment, but you'd find it if you looked, if you wanted to hear this in, in its length. But the reason that I'm spending the podcast talking about this is because some Christians just grow cold. They get slack in their commitments, you know, they they kind of get out of the habit, and I'm hoping to rekindle them and get them back. But I know there's another group of people out there that are just simply ignorant. They didn't know church membership was real. They didn't know all this stuff. Nobody had ever pulled all these Bible verses together and organized them and arranged them in such a way that they were like, my stars, I've got to be in church to do what the Bible asked me to do. So I, I want you to, to quit being uh, derelict in your duty and you know, now that you know better, go do better. But I preach this also because some people are just flat out obstinate. They don't want any authority over them. They don't want any accountability. They don't care about rules. They don't care about availability. They want to be their own man. That's the most unchristian attitude I've ever heard in my life. The Bible refers to us as sheep. Jesus Christ calls us a flock, his sheep. Sheep are not lone animals out wandering around by themselves. They work best in a flock because sheep need the, the care and attention of a shepherd and they need the community of other sheep, and for you to claim to be a sheep and not want to be in the flock means that the the, the shepherd has to go out and find the one sheep that wandered off. Well, how does he find them, Brother Harold? He finds them through preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching it because you're obstinate. You better come home. You better get back in the sheepfold because that's the way you're designed to be, and I preach this because the world doesn't know what a Christian is. They've never, they, they don't know the gospel. They don't believe in Christ. And the only version of Christianity that they see are the people that profess to be Christians, and most professing Christians are not attending church. Let's just pick on the Southern Baptists. Hey, look, they deserve it. They, they've been bragging about how big they are for so long. Let, let's just use them for the example they want to be uh, known for. At one time, they had like 16 million members of the Southern Baptist Convention. About three or four million people showed up on any given Sunday in the Southern Baptist Convention. You're talking less than 20% or 25% of your professing people showed up. And of the people that showed up, not all of them were members of a Southern Baptist church. The point I'm driving at is Christians for a long time have not taken church membership seriously. It's because they don't understand what the church is, what it does, and why it's here. And it's here to be a testimony to a lost and dying world of something they can't find anywhere outside of the people of God. By this will all men know that I have loved you if you have love for one another. The church is not demonstrating love for one another when they don't spend time with one another when they're not committed to one another. And so I really want to just take one whole podcast. I don't preach on here much, and I wouldn't call this a sermon. This is a sermonette for a Christianette that sleeps in a bassinet, drives a Corvette, and smokes a cigarette. I don't know who said that, but I heard it, and I've always remembered it. And I'm always looking for an opportunity to use it. This is not a sermon. This is a plea from one preacher out in the middle of nowhere. If you're a preacher and you're listening to this, Man, go build a fire in your pulpit and light it under the pew and see if you can't stir your people up to take church serious. Preaching is only effective if the Holy Spirit uses it. But the Holy Spirit doesn't use silence. He uses your mouthpiece. He uses means. So educate your people. Encourage them. They may simply be ignorant. They may be obstinate. But the world needs to see Christians that are not ignorant and not obstinate. They need to see Christians that are committed to a local church, active members, taking it serious. And I pray that's what comes out of this. So anyways, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about me or my ministry, my uh, quarterly newsletter just went out. You can sign up for this. You shoot me an email at Pastor Harold, P-A-S-T-O-R-H-A-R-O-L-D. Harold at att.net, and I will send you an online copy of my quarterly ministry newsletter about what I've been doing, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. Sometimes I get on Twitter, sometimes I don't, but shoot me an email, best way to get in touch with me. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you, and I'll see you on the next podcast.